So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Hey, I'm Nate Larkin here with my good friend, David Hampton. How you doing, David? I am good. I'm a little wet and chilly, but I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I just came in from outside. It is a, it's just a little misty and drizzly out there today. And with the time change and the gray weather this morning, I, I need to do a podcast to cheer up. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, I got a couple walks in this morning with a couple guys uh, before the rain hit. And, and yeah. Just, yeah. Which felt good. But yeah, uh, fall is definitely here. Winter is on the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and I actually I was looking for the podcast just for a chance to sit down for an hour. I've been going just 90 <laughs> miles. An <hour. laughs> well, you had a big weekend. You had a big um, you're in the middle of a move. You're in the middle yeah. of, uh, you know, about all the different things, all the plates you can spin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Allie and I uh, packed up the house and it was shown over the weekend and we got a couple of offers and we accepted one. So the house is under contract. That's a big accomplishment for the weekend. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. But also had a big Samson Society retreat this weekend and uh, uh, a three speaking engagements and a couple of podcasts. So, and it's just been, so anyway, it's good to sit down and see my yeah. friend and, uh, and talk to you. Uh, and, and by the way, David, I, I got your email with, you know, the list of upcoming guests. You're, yeah. It's going to, it's going to be a great fall, a great winter. Um, yeah. We've got some really, really interesting folks lined up. Yeah. 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 Meanwhile, uh, already Thanksgiving is almost upon us. Hard for me to believe that, you know, it's just a couple of weeks away. Yeah. Um, What are you going to do for Thanksgiving? Do you know? Uh, Yes, I am going to my mom's who is insisting at 85 that she is going to make yay another Thanksgiving dinner for everybody herself and have everybody at the house. Oh, and wow. so, uh, you know, the grandbabies will be there and all of this. And, and, you know, now she, this is a little backstory, but mom is saying, you know, this might be my last dinner to make, um, yeah, you know, yeah, 85, yeah. you start, you know, <laughs> my dad says that, you know, at their age, they don't, um, 
I can't, I can't remember. He's got a funny saying about, you know, they, they don't uh, take for granted it, you know, every day. That, yeah, uh, sure. Right. Right. That don't buy green bananas, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that kind That's of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so he's, uh, you know, my mom is saying this and he's kind of rolling his eyes because my great grandmother, my mother's grandmother, when she was about 85, she started saying this, you know, yeah. this may be my last dinner I could make and I want to make everybody, you know, so everybody can yeah. come and it's important great grandma lived to be 96. <laughs> so we had about 11 years of uh, last yeah. dinners at her house. Yeah, yeah. So I, I teased my mom, you know, <laughs> this weekend I was talking to her. I said, you know, just remember you, you may have like 11 or 12 more of these in you, you know, yeah, yeah, you just, yeah. this could be maybe 20, who knows, you know? Yeah. So anyway, uh, long answer to your question, but I, we will go there and, enjoy that and get to see some family I don't see very often and uh, do that kind of thing. What uh, I understand with your moving situation, your Thanksgiving may look a little different. Yeah. You know, you know, our routine, I mean, what we typically do is all the kids and the grandkids come here mm-hmm. and we have a, we have a big day and I, I, I spend a lot of time in the kitchen. I like doing it and Allie pitches in and, you know, and, and it's a nice big full day. But in order to sell the house, here's the thing. In order to sell the house, we had to like practically empty it for it to yeah. be shown. That's what we were told, yeah. right? Right. So so we wound up getting rid of a lot of furniture, which is easy where I live. <laughs> All you got to do is just put it out by the street and it's gone within two yeah. hours. Yeah. So we got got rid of And then uh, I, got a, I got a pod and packed that full of stuff. And so now I'm sitting in this house. <laughs> Alien, we have, let me see, we do have a dining room table. Uh, <laughs> we have our bed. Uh, the beds for the grandkids are all packed away and they're coming this weekend. So I don't know what we're going to do about that. And we've oh. got our, we've got our side-by-side recliners, uh, our Archie and Ethel uh, recliners <laughs> uh, facing, facing the, the, the television. And that's freaking it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Thanksgiving is going to be at my daughter's house this year. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That'll be a nice, uh, a nice shift for you guys, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least uh, you know we're all going to be, God willing, we're all going to be together this Thanksgiving. That's not the case for every family. There are right. uh, we have good friends who have, you know, put a a, a, a family member in treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going to be there over the uh, holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of a bittersweet thing not to have your son or daughter or brother or parent mm-hmm. with you at the table, but at the same time, some comfort knowing that they're probably in a safer place. Yeah. And for anybody who's in active addiction, this holiday season can be pretty incendiary anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's usually some family issues connected. And if things are going to really go sideways for an addict, uh, the odds that they'll go sideways tend to be greater over the holidays. Uh, Hey, we've got a guest this week who is really good at shepherding people into treatment, caring for them while they're there. Uh, uh, I really uh, love this guy's heart and motivation. I think our listeners are going to enjoy the conversation that's coming up when we return on the Positive Sobriety Podcast.
Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Well, David, would you would you introduce our guest? Once again, you've gone far afield to bring us someone from, you know, distant and exotic places. Uh, yeah, introduce our guest, David. Yeah, we have a guest coming to us today from sunny Palm Springs. Um, unlike the cold, dreary, drizzly <laughs> day that we're experiencing here in Nashville, Tennessee, yeah. uh, Greg Silva, who is the director of operations at Gravity Treatment Centers. They have about three locations, I believe, and uh, they're out in the, um, uh, the desert and in the Los Angeles area. And Greg, uh, we really are excited to have you with us today and, and are looking forward to hearing uh, some of the uniquenesses of what you guys do with gravity treatment centers and also uh, any uh, relationship to recovery that you might have of your own. So welcome to the podcast. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And listen, I would switch places with you just to eat some barbecue for the day. <laughs> uh, deal. <laughs> it's a, yeah, how do we? Yeah, how do we arrange this? Yeah. I'll, I'll bring the barbecue and meet you at the airport. How's okay. that? <laughs> yeah, if I could go to Palm Springs right now, that would be an awesome thing. So, um, but welcome. That's that's great. So, Greg, how how did you get into the recovery racket? David and I, you know, we kind of got dragged in. We have our own stories. How did you get to where you are? Yeah, I'm what they call a normie, but I'm far from normal. <laughs> uh, I have never had an issue with drugs or alcohol, but about 10, 11 years ago, I had a best friend who was having issues and uh he housed that for me and I worked in marketing and I traveled all over the world and he'd house that for me, house at my dogs. But anyway, he was a great guy, a good friend, and he was having some issues. He was taking Xanax and drinking a little more than he should. And yeah, I didn't really know what to do, how to get him help or any of that. You know, this was all foreign to me. And he had a lot of depression and a lot of trauma from his past childhood. Mm-hmm. And one day he decided that he was going to commit suicide in my garage. And he did. Oh, and he had a handful of Xanax and uh, started his car. And I got home after work and opened the garage door and all the smoke started pouring out. And he was not here with us anymore. And it really messed me up. And I had guilt and I didn't know what, you know, what could I have done differently? And I ended up uh, about a year later, I, I left my job and um, I had a lot of, a lot of guilt and a lot of uh, anxiety and all of these things started to kind of hit me. And uh, I took a job in, as Kismet would have it, I was offered a job in treatment, doing some marketing and all of a sudden it hit me. It's like my role from now on is going to be to let people know how to get their loved ones or themselves into treatment. Like I want to answer all of those questions that people have. I want to demystify what going to treatment is like, mm-hmm. have questions to ask, um, you know, how to do it, you know, what's tough love? How does yeah. that work? Yeah. Things like yeah. that. So um, I've spent the next 10 years, I guess, doing this full time. And uh, every time I get someone through treatment and, and hear from them a year later and they're still doing great, I kind of look up at the sky and I said, okay, Blake, that's another one for you. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. 
So that's what I do. It's my passion. I Anyone who'll listen to me, I'll stop and talk to them. I was just in the uh, event yesterday and I always have business cards with me and people find out what I do. Everyone has someone they know that needs some kind of help. So yeah, um, yeah. So I'm like the Pied Piper of treatment. <laughs> well, uh, what a great way to honor your friend and his life and um, and memory. I mean, that's that's a, an amazing thing to be able to do. I, so you were saying earlier, Greg, before we went on to recording, that you have about three locations. Is that right? Yeah, we um, have two locations out here in the desert. Um, one, well, they all kind of specialize in something different. So um, mm. I can kind of direct you to where you, you need to go if you're, you know, over 30 and, uh, you know, professional business, you need to still be connected to the outside world. I usually send uh, people to our location in Los Angeles. It's up in the Encino Hills. It's very private and, um, and quiet. And, uh, you know, you can get to work and get uh, what you need to do done, plus be 100% uh, enmeshed in the treatment. And then we have a place, uh, two places in the desert. One of them is a smaller place that um, we take a lot of younger people who've had chronic relapsing issues. And I have mm -hmm. a team of professionals who work with these chronic relapsers to find out uh, what the triggers are, why, why they can't stay clean. And uh, we work with families and things like that, mainly a younger crowd. And then our last place, Living Longer, is basically a, a natural mineral water resort. We have tubs that uh, natural mineral water comes out of the ground hot, about 105 degrees. And uh, we do a lot of yoga, a lot of mind, body, spirit kinds of things. Um, we you we know, open to all kinds of uh, different backgrounds. Um, work today is Veterans Day. Um, we see a lot of veterans with um, PTSD mm -hmm. and uh, all kinds of trauma. And, uh, you know, we, we help them. There's a population LGBTQ plus that, um, you know, eight to nine times the rate of uh, other uh, populations that uh, are doing drugs and drinking way more right. than they need to. Mm -hmm. um, suicides are up during this whole pandemic. We've seen a huge rise in um, populations that are abusing drugs and alcohol at mm. a rate that is unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Well, what are some of the distinctives, um, Greg, with what you guys do? I mean, um, almost, it seems like at least when I have talked with uh, various guests that we've had on the show who are, um, you know, directors of uh, different facilities and, um, and mm -hmm. places, locations, they all seem to kind of have a thing that makes them a little bit different. Um, sure. What are some of the distinctives of uh, gravity treatment centers? Well, it, it comes down to, firstly, the staff. So I have a group of uh, people that work closely with me from a psychiatrist to a therapist to um, medical doctors that work really closely with my with me and our patients mm -hmm. to ensure the best possible treatment. Um, 
have a medical doctor who is at my facilities um, almost every day checking in with patients. If I get a patient who is trying to um, relapse or leave early, he's right there to speak to the patient to find out what is it that we can do to get them to continue in treatment. And uh, that goes for our psychiatrists and our um, therapists. There is no, um, I guess I'm a, I, we have this kind of hokey, it's not hokey, but it's not recovery, it's discovery. Mm -hmm. And we, um, we kind of let our kind of run that into our patients as they come in. It's like recovery kind of intimates that you're going to go back to where you were. You're going to recover to somewhere where you were. Mm. And most, most people come to us and they've had trauma. They may have not started drinking or taking drugs early in their life or childhood. Some of them have. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want you to go back to the place where you were at, yeah. we want you know, move forward. You're going to learn from your experiences and you're going to discover what it is about yourself that led you to be an addict. And that is the best way to move on, mm -hmm. not yeah. going back, but moving forward. So we say it's not about recovery. It's about discovery. And I, you can I, I, drop the, once you can drop the curtain, look behind, you know, the Wizard of Oz, look behind that curtain and find out what it is in your brain that has led you to try to self-soothe with drugs or alcohol. That is the big step right there. And sometimes it takes medications. Sometimes it takes, uh, you know, a diagnosis uh, from a psychiatrist. Um, oftentimes it takes just talking to a really good therapist to get some of this stuff out and mm -hmm. it's not easy. It's sometimes a really hard, painful path, but something that needs to be done to um, figure out what's going on and, and why you wanted to numb this stuff out of your, yourself for, for so long. Um, the remedy, which is drugs and alcohol have now become the monster. And uh, so we, mm -hmm. we tackle it from both sides from a mental health perspective and an addiction perspective. And mm. I think we do it really, really well. And yeah. that's, that's kind of what makes us stand out. Mm -hmm. Well, Greg, Greg, I've heard you uh, use the word trauma several times. Yes. Sounds as though you guys are heavily trauma informed. Um, is the therapy, is it primarily uh, talk therapy or is there experiential work? Is there uh anything else you're doing therapeutically yes. with the brain or the body to help with uh, trauma? Uh, are you guys uh, followers of Bessel van der Kolk and uh, the idea that, that trauma is held in the body or is there body work? Open that up for us a little. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. And yes. Okay. So um, <laughs> for, for instance, at nine o'clock, um, we start a meditation group. Mm -hmm. Right after that at 10, 10, 15, I have someone who comes in on Thursdays that does a sound bath. They mm -hmm. bring in all these ringing, uh, ringing uh, jars and um, we do an hour and a half of sound bath to center ourselves and feel this trauma in our bodies. And then, and then we uh, spend the rest of the day working with uh, uh, therapists to talk about what we felt and 
and how we work through it. Um, we mainly at our facilities um, work on the detox and residential level. Um, mm -hmm. And then I refer usually um, uh, lower levels of care out to trusted partners who will work in EMDR and things like that. Oh, you do that? Yeah. All right, of good. Course. But um, the first part is the detox. So when a patient calls me or patient's family or husband or wife will call me, it's usually because they are in full addiction mode and right. they come to me loaded. They come in drunk. They come in. Sure. You know, well, but, it, that's a rule. You got to get drunk on your way to treatment. I think that's yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I've had patients pass out in airport bathrooms. You don't. Know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Um, they finally get to me. And that first five to seven days is um, sometimes a blur for some of them. They they um, are seen immediately by a doctor and we give them the A-OK -okay to make sure that they're healthy enough to treat the work they're right level of care, um, hospitalization um, may be needed if, if we're not equipped to take yeah. care of them. But we're a full um, IMS uh, facility, so we're just one level below hospitalization. Mm -hmm. So if you come to me, I'm going to make sure that you have a nurse and um, you're checked on every 15 minutes and you're mm. given the right medications to help you from having seizures and things like that. And we try to get you past the first five to seven days as comfortably as possible. But um, so much of it is also mental. People are really afraid of what those withdrawals are gonna feel like. They've yeah. tried to maybe do it for two or three days at home on their own and they end up failing because they just can't do it. So mm -hmm. we get them over that hump. We get them to the place that they can never do by themselves. And once they start to come out of that, haze from the detoxing then we start them right into residential treatment which means they stay with us 24 hours a day and they go into some really intensive group therapies and, and uh, mm -hmm. individual therapies and uh, and uh, you know so a lot of it also is peer peer-to-peer -peer, um, you know yeah. recognition and then you know, mm -hmm. meeting people exactly like yourself and realizing you're not the only one. And those kinds mm -hmm. of things really kind of make a difference, make people want to stick it out. And yeah, they say right. someone who's a week or two ahead of them in the treatment schedule. Mm -hmm. and they say, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. It really helps us as well. But uh, Greg, how much individual treatment um, or individual therapy? Uh, a week, let's say, um, would a would a patient get at one of your centers? So um, they would speak to a psychiatrist at least once a week, mm -hmm. and then we have a therapist, um, a couple of therapists that they meet with depending on need. Um, sometimes it's three days a week, mm -hmm. two days a week, just depending on the need. Mm -hmm. um, we also uh, once we get patients. Uh, I guess us uh, more stabilized, um, we start delving into home life and family life. And mm -hmm. we may zoom, zoom in a husband or a wife in a session to mm -hmm. um, start to set some agreements up and things like that for mm -hmm. when the patient is um, back home. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so it just depends on the patient and uh, 
and they get a lot, a lot. There's a lot of one-on-one -on -one time and, and a lot of group time too. Yeah. I like that. Um, it sounds like you haven't exiled the family completely from the process where many times, um, the family is sort of on the periphery. Uh, you know, there's no home contact. There's no call your partner or your spouse or your significant others in your life. It's strictly go and be isolated. And then maybe at the end of the day, there's a family weekend, like, you know, graduation or something. Sure. Um, you know. Listen, the worst enemy of treatment is the cell phone. Mm -hmm. God forbid why cell phones were invented. I guess we need them now and we can't imagine our lives without them. But they're an addiction just like drugs or alcohol. So oh, I'll, bring, yeah. I'll bring a patient in and they insist they have to have their cell phone with them all, at all times. And oh, yeah. Some of the patients that are looking for a way to uh, leave treatment pr prior to getting done what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So we have a two week blackout period, really. People are, they turn in their cell phones. We have a office or a house phone that um, patients are allowed to use monitored for the first couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't believe the things that have happened because of cell phones. People try to, we live in California, obviously where marijuana is legal. And all mm -hmm. you have to do is dial a phone number and they'll bring it right to the front door. So yeah. I've, I've chased off a few uh, marijuana delivery <laughs> people. Yeah. Not throwing a window, a rock through a back window, but I've wanted to. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, things like that. So we really try to monitor phone use. We even as a, as a exercise, we'll go through someone's phone with them and say, everybody who's not a positive influence in your life, including every drug dealer that you have in there, Let's get rid of them. We'll go through their phones and erase, you know, we make it a bit of a ceremony, erase the negative out of, out of your phone and out of your life. Let's start fresh. Sometimes mm -hmm. there's three phones left in their phone, but as long as they can reach their, <laughs> can reach their uh, husband or wife or, or parent, you know, that's, that's pretty much all they need for now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is an unusual question, maybe, um, Greg, but, um, you know, apart from, you know, the, the great treatment modalities and things like that that you guys offer, there's always the, uh, the reality in the business side of treatment that says, you know, people have to know about us. People have to know what we do and what we're, uh, you know, what we kind of consider our unique um, you know, uh, niche or whatever. How do you go about letting people know um, about your centers? And um, are you targeting a particular demographic or population with your, with your marketing? Well, um, we treat people from 18 to 1800, if you can live that long. I mean, it doesn't, mm -hmm. we don't have an age limit, except you must be an adult. Mm -hmm. um, our, a lot of the people come to us through word of mouth. Um, we are, um, you know, we have obviously our websites mm -hmm. and uh, I, I travel a lot. I, I attend uh, trade shows, uh, uh, conventions. I speak, I get um, asked to speak at a lot of uh, different places. Right. And, uh, you know, we, I don't believe in, uh, pushing anyone into treatment at all. We don't twist arms. Mm -hmm. What I say is when you're ready, we're here. 
And yeah. uh, I, I tell, I also say a lot that I'm very persuasive. I can talk anyone into almost anything, but <laughs> I'm not as persuasive as drugs or alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, right. Alcohol outshine me every time. So you have to want to do this. There's no like, oh, you know, okay, I'll come. No, you, mm -hmm. you mentally have to be ready to do this. Usually that happens because someone has um, hit bottom. And I know that's a cliche, but, you know, uh, people call me. I got a DUI. Uh, my wife's going to leave me. Mm -hmm. My husband uh, found my pills and understands. I, I got in a car wreck with my kids. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, I'm getting, I'm about to get fired. They're giving me one last chance. Um, mm -hmm. So I get those kind of calls and people have realized that there's no, there's no other way for them. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it's sad, but uh, I also teach what tough love is and tough love can come from an employer. It can come from a parent. It can come from a child. Um, but tough love is saying that you we're setting boundaries and unless you meet these criteria that we're setting then there are consequences and consequences could be getting kicked out of the house not being able to drive a car um you mm -hmm. name it you know i've had people say if you if i see you get in a car i will call 911 mm -hmm. yeah like that. and that's not hard that's the family that is so traumatic for the family and that's why i always say the family needs help too mm -hmm. yeah. there are uh outlets for families to get help Al-Anon, narconon and things like that right um, but you have to be tough and i you know i've had mothers that give their you know dads like hey this is it no more money we're not giving you any more money and then mom feels bad and slips a $20 bill into their pocket when they walk out the door and mm -hmm. they go get $20 worth of fentanyl and they overdose. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I say, you know, you are literally killing your child with love. Mm -hmm. So um, the best thing you can do is really set a boundary to get the whole family together. Um, I don't say a professional intervention is important every time, but they are helpful as well. Mm -hmm. Get make make a plan with your extended family or the people friends and people that um love the, the addict and you set boundaries and you'd be surprised how many people would rather go to treatment than you know live on the street mm -hmm. uh-huh sure yeah yeah well uh, what about after treatment greg where um where are you all with respect to aftercare and extended care plans and things like that once people complete their stay so um people come to me from all over the country and in fact i, I get people from out of the country as well that come to us mm -hmm. um they'll pay cash to come to a treatment center because honestly nobody does treatment like we do here mm -hmm. so i get people from all over and they'll come and spend a month 30 45 days 60 days at our facility and when they're ready to step down to a lower level of care, we discuss this. We have case managers that work closely with the, with the patient. And, you know, do they want to go back to their hometown? Do they want to stay in this area? There are tons of options. So let's say you, you're in Franklin, Tennessee, 
you were to come to me for treatment, halfway through your treatment, we'd be talking about what's happening after you leave us. And so if you say, oh, I got to get back to Franklin, I have a job, I have this or I have that, we would find you a program that would help work with you uh, so that you could continue your life, but still stay monitored, uh, go to meetings three, three, four times a week at night, um, take drug tests, um, mm -hmm. check in, those kinds of things. Um, even more intensive uh, outpatient things like doing, you know, therapy, really intensive therapy, continuing that. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, doing some EMDR work and things like that to work on trauma, mm -hmm. which you can't do in 30 or 60 days. This is something that could take sometimes a year, years mm -hmm. to get through. Sometimes it's ongoing. Um, our therapist uh, does Zoom sessions, so she will check in with you mm. uh, after you leave us. And then we have an, a really great alumni uh, program. So you're always part of our family and uh, we check up on you and you're able to reach back out to us. If you tell us, hey, you're str we're struggling out here, I'd say, okay, come back, come back. I, uh, I'll pick you up at the airport kind of thing. And I do, yeah. frankly, when I can and I'm not on the road, I pick mm -hmm. up our patients at the airport. I'm the first person they see. Wow. That's great. So you're not just the man behind the curtain pulling the levers. You're actually oh, very yeah. involved. I, that's my whole thing. It's like, I, you know, I market and I'm the face of this thing. Mm -hmm. But my rule is I want to know patient the patient. I want to get to know them. I want to get to know their family. I want to know, you know, that for me is what's fulfilling. I want to mm -hmm. see progress. I want to know when you're not progressing because there might be something I can do or say to help you get past that little bump. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm part of it through the whole thing. Yeah. So Greg, uh, you guys specialize in uh, drugs and alcohol. Do you do any work with process addictions? We do not. Um, a lot of it uh, is kind of co-occurring. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So um, we do that. You know, of course, that comes into it. But there are really special uh, specialized uh, treatment centers who will work with sexual addiction and right. uh, gambling, obviously, things like that. We mainly uh, try to focus on the drugs and alcohol, because frankly, that's what we're best at. And we sure. are full diagnosis. So there's a lot of mental health. It's a gray area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we right. do what we can. We've, we've had patients come in and we've spent a week or two with them and we realize they need a different type of care. Or, you know, hard to tell when someone's loaded. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So, right. Um, once we get them sober and realize that there, hey, there may be, this may be more mental health than than addiction, right. I will try to find a place that would be more suited to helping uh, a really, really major, you know, psychosis or, or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, there are places that uh, once someone is sober, they can um, help with the mental health aspect um, in, right. a, in a way that we can. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. Well, Greg, what, this is a more personal question maybe, but what, those of us that see people all day long who are struggling, um, you know, uh, and we hear some sad stuff and heavy stuff. And um, 
at the end of the day, you know, it can be pretty, it can be a pretty exhausting day. And then you go back tomorrow and you do it again. And um, what do you do for yourself? How are you taking care of yourself in the midst of being in a, a profession that uh, emotionally demands quite a bit from you? Oh my God. Well, um, I'm moving at the moment too. I just bought a house. So oh, wow. I love moving. I think I didn't realize I was a hoarder until I started putting things in boxes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I've been pretty stressed out the last week or two, but um, you know what? I, um, I do on my spare time, I rescue animals. I've always been a animal person. I grew up on a farm and I, there were times where I felt alone and I was never alone when I had a dog next to me oh, wow. growing up as a kid. And so um, I have trouble sleeping when I don't, and when I'm not doing something to help a stray animal, cat, mm. dog, horse, whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of do some of that in my spare time. Um, what else? I, you know, I have friends, I, I have outlets. Uh, my, mm. one of my best friends, uh, her name is Susie Kennedy. She's the top Marilyn Monroe lookalike in the world. Oh my mm. gosh. I know, look her up. Anyway, <laughs> she was just out here for a few days and we had a lot of laughs. She just did an event in Palm Springs. And um, so anyway, I like to travel, um, you know, I try to get to France or Italy when I can. That's not very often these days with COVID. Mm -hmm. but uh you know i have outlets i i wake up every morning happy to go to work though i may leave exhausted and emotionally drained mm -hmm. but i i never 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 dread going into work because i know that i make a difference mm -hmm. and uh i don't know if there's a lot of people who feel that in their lives i know i didn't feel that way until i worked in this industry mm. you know, like what am, who's going to remember me Mm -hmm. when I'm gone, but I know that I touch people's lives in a really positive way. Yeah. And uh, to me, that's like oxygen. I'm, it's like my addiction. So I wake up in the morning and I'm driving to work and I'm thinking about what I'm going to do and who I'm going to see. And, you know, hopefully I'm going to help somebody today. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that's, that's what I do. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, Greg, you mentioned that you guys have websites for those who've been listening uh, to the show who, th who think, man, I got to get this guy in my phone. And uh, what's the or, or uh, they're going to go on their laptop. What's the best way for folks? I'm, to sure, reach I'm, you? I'm, I'm hoping that you'll post my websites on your page. Oh, we'll put that. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Sure. But, uh, you can reach me through one of the way. I'm not going to give you three to confuse you. I'll give you one. Okay. www gravity treatment centers plural.com uh, okay gravity treatment centers.com and then i have an 800 number and i want to tell the audience that not every patient is um appropriate for my treatment center but mm -hmm. if you reach out to me i will put you on the right track and i really wished i would have had someone to talk to like this back in the day when i was having trouble with uh yeah, my friend who didn't make it, but mm -hmm. there are a lot of options out there. And um, anyway, I would love it if you were, if everyone was able to come to my treatment center. I know that's not possible, but if you can give me a, a call or a, 
uh, email through the website. My 800 number is 833-244-5900. Correct. You can okay. call and talk to me or someone on that number who can put you on the right track. We can figure out how to get uh, get you or your loved one some help. I can answer questions. This is all anonymous. Um, mm -hmm. you know, nobody needs to know anything about right. it. And then there is, for people who have um, either no insurance or, or public insurance, there's a national helpline call and it's 800-662-HELP, H-E-L-P, which translates to 4357. That is a national helpline. It's um, usually very, very busy because it is a national helpline, but you can get through to someone and, um, you know, depending what state you're in or whatever, they can tell you what options you have for treatment in your state with um, a Medicaid or a meta, meta, you know, type health policy. Right. Yeah. And um, that, that saves a lot of lives too. So um, keep those numbers handy. And if you're struggling or someone you know is struggling, or you just have questions, please reach out. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Greg. I, I love I love your heart. I can feel your heart of empathy. You truly care. You're in this, uh, you know, with the right motivation. And uh, I'm so grateful that you took the time to talk with us today. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate what you do. Um, I know people every day listen to your podcast and they get some kind of uh, help and, and, and I've listened to some of your guests and uh, anyway, you guys do God's work and I appreciate you. Thanks. Uh, thank you. All right, listeners, we'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And Nate, I really enjoyed our interview time with Greg Silva. Um, you know, I, I thought it was so interesting that um, when I asked him about self-care, he still rescues. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that, was, that was very telling, actually, you know, because I think most of us in these uh, either professions and, and in the work you do with guys, yeah. um, you know, your, your self-care involves walking with people down main street and talking with them, you know, yes, it involves absolutely staying connected and, and actually that helps you. And I, I get that, you know, we could all use a trip to the gym and we could all use, you know, a hobby and maybe, you know, take up watercolor and stuff like that. But honestly, it, most of us find that the time that we spend even in self-care involves uh, investing ourselves you know, right. and I think that's just an outgrowth of our own, our own recovery. Yeah, man, I, I, I so resonate with what you just shared, even, you know, in all the flurry of this last weekend, the fact that I got to interact and have personal conversations with a number of guys got to, got to give away some of what I have, which I, I found that's the way to keep it, give it away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, I, I know I can't, operate at the pace I operated for the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, indefinitely. I've mm -hmm. got to take breaks. Uh, 
But at the same time, I I don't know. Have you ever experienced this? I kind of get tired at the end of an extended break. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I'm I'm just not doing anything constructive. And now I'm ready to go. And now it just gets, now I dread getting up in the morning because there's nothing to do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't even like days where I'm uh, in my place, uh, supposedly, you know, all day with nothing on the calendar. I've got to go out and find something. And what I end up doing is usually taking a laptop to a coffee shop and writing, There you, you go. know, um, because to me, that's just um, it's it's therapeutic. It, it helps me. But, um, you know, and, and it ends up usually somewhere else, uh, you know, posted or something, but, Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, it's very beneficial just to, you know, have that thing out there to, to do, um, after a couple hours rest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this is the source of some anxiety for me because, uh, you know, that's the sale of this house is, is set to close, uh, the first week in December, the Mm -hmm. new place that we're moving into is not going to be ready until February. Oh, yeah. So Allie and I have rented a, a, a vacation home, a townhome in Amelia Island, Florida, where the, where our youngest son lives. Mm-hmm. So we'll be across the street from the beach and it's, but I'm going to be far away from Franklin mm-hmm. and I'm going to be on the beach and it's almost like an extended vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so <laughs> happy when yesterday I got a speaking invitation in Florida in January, you know, so that I oh, could yeah. just punctuate my vacation with a little bit of, you know, engagement. Yeah. Cause you were, you'll be walking the beach, you know, going up to the woman who sells the puka, the puka shell necklaces. And just said, Are you sure you don't have anything you want to talk about? Anything going on in your life at all that you'd like to cover? Cause I'm seriously like at a deficit for helping people. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Suntan oil guy is going to start being your walking buddy and all that stuff. So. <laughs> hey, oh, oh, before we go, for those who uh, want to get some help, want to get some better help, they could, they, they could uh, check in with our sponsor, couldn't they? They can get some better help at betterhelp.com. And uh, again, if you log in with betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety, you'll get a discount on your initial subscription to their service. And also we get to know and track uh, what's helpful to others uh, with our, with what we're offering. And uh, betterhelp.com is actually a licensed therapist that you will get, that you will get to keep for yourself um, and have with each of your visits. In the basement. (laughs) Yes. yes, (laughs) They they come in a box and you tie them up and (laughs) you visit them every day. Just don't forget to feed them. That's the problem. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but in all seriousness, yes, you get your own personal therapist and you will get, if uh, for some reason they're not uh, behaving to suit you, you get to send them back and you get to check in another one. And uh, there's no hard feelings and no, penalties for that but you do get to access help for depression feeling stuck life issues all the stuff we would go to any other counseling service for you get to access in your own home at your own convenient time and um and take advantage of the ways that these folks can actually help you uh get unstuck in your life so that's betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety okay 
Well, that's a wrap. Uh, as always, we'd love to hear from our listeners. We love your feedback. We love your suggestions. We love your connections. Uh, some of our guests have come to us through the uh, intervention help uh, of our listeners. You can always reach us at positive sobriety podcast at gmail.com. Well, until next time, then I'm Nate. And I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 